With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We have so much to get to on today's edition of the CJ Show. The Montreal Canadiens and the issues they've got going on. The Toronto Maple Leafs and what they've got going on. Uh, the biggest beef in the National Hockey League between Brendan Lemieux and Brady Kachuk. And Matthew Kachuk has inserted himself into everything. So much stuff. We even have Ask CJ questions to get to. One note that we will not get to. Evander Kane joining the New York Islanders, as your uh, Twitter seemed to have led everyone to believe, off of an errant retweet. Dumbage. <laughs> Is that the one bit of French you know? I've got like 10 words or 30 words. Uh, I've got an Ontario. 10 or 30, that's a pretty big difference. I probably got 30 in French, actually. I mean, I grew up in Ontario. I, I had to go to school. I, I wasn't particularly proficient, but if you sit there long enough, you absorb a little bit. That was a total wow. accident. You know, I, <laughs> Sunday was a bit of a, you know, a, a chaotic day. Of course, the big shakeup in the Habs front office. You know, I got summoned to go out to TSN kind of last minute or on a mm-hmm. quick turnaround. And I'm ripping through my condo here, looking for the right suit and trying to figure out what I'm going to do there and trying to text people for information. And I was meaning to retweet, of course, Dan Milstein's statement. Uh, he's the agent for Evander Kane, just about the fact that, that Evander was willing to go to the American Hockey League when he cleared waivers and blah, 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 blah. And instead, I retweeted one right below it somehow. Um, and I guess I heard discord really reacted to that. Like they thought I was sending out, like, I'll tell you this much discord. Yeah. If I know that Evander Kane is going to team X, whatever team that is, I'm just going to come out and report it. I'm not going to be retweeting random people on the internet, but I, I appreciate that you think I'm speaking in science or something or, or tongues or whatever it is. But, uh, if I know where he was, if I were to know even today where he was going, I would just tell you, I wouldn't retweet a random fan tweet but i appreciate the fervor just the same i, I appreciate the i've got a surprise too. for you julian oh you do oh okay all right I'm, I'm, I'm very eager about surprises so next monday okay i'm going to be in the fine city of montreal oh and because okay. we tape on mondays and thursdays okay you have homework you have to find a way for us logistically to do this because i don't know if we have it okay Bet. if we That's don't already done I already talked to my guy. I already talked to my guy about it. And he said that like, like he's got us. We got to figure out the video thing, but the audio thing, we we got it. No worries. Okay. I got it. And I was going to say, if you can't do it, that's fine. Cause I don't mean to just spring this on you. We could do a Tuesday show once in a while if we had to, cause I do come back to Toronto Tuesday. So it's Mm. not, if it's not make or break, but we will be in the same city again. And I have to say of our 20 episodes, my favorite one was when we were in the same room. And so episode 22 it would be next monday it'd be awesome if we could be in the same room again doing this uh face to face well dude i i got you i'm gonna uh, as soon as this episode is done i'm gonna hit up my guy uh and uh, we will be doing if we if we make it work it'll actually be a bit of a weird homecoming of sorts for me if we do the episode where i think we'll do the episode and i'll explain that on episode 22 so yeah when we get there we can go through it but i I love your great teammate like you're you're flexible I can Appreciate just throw that. this in your in in your direction. You're like, yeah, I got a guy. We'll make this work. No worries. No worries. I'm pumped. Right. Yeah, I'm so pumped to come back to Montreal. 
I actually am. I, I was there for game six of the first round against Toronto last year, but before that it'd been a couple of years. Anyway, I used to spend a ton of time in Montreal. It's been a while because of the pandemic and everything going on and uh, I'm coming to town. So alert the authorities. Okay. Uh, and uh, wait, so I don't remember if the Canadians play next Monday, but does this meet after Tuesday? So after we do the show, uh, post show brewskis is that a thing are we do are we hanging out in the city what are we doing i mean we don't have to commit in this moment but i'm i'm open to that depends what time we tape right like this is a night game for us this is the first time we've recorded one of these episodes in the evening because jesse blake is is working literally night and day for the sdp literally the unsung hero of this whole freaking network Um, (laughs) deserves all the praise well he, he makes all the shows go on um but secondarily, if we're doing it at 9 a.m., I don't not sure we're going straight to post show, you know, Bruce, but whatever. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to hang out. We'll have lunch. We'll have coffee. We'll have a beer. Whatever's appropriate when the time of the show is done. Let's do it. We're not recording at 9 a.m. I'm telling you now. We'll figure out the scheduling. We'll figure out all that stuff. But well, uh, I'm also coming for some out. other work. So, like, we, we've got to, I mean, we have yes. our tips. We're going to need our typical group chat, just chaos. Like, you're doing this. I'm doing this. We all got 28 <laughs> jobs. Jesse's like running the whole network. Who knows? We might be taping at midnight next week in Montreal. Who knows? Oh, man. Look, we'll, we'll figure we'll that out. We'll just do it live from we'll Crescent Street at midnight. Oh, my God. Do you Can you imagine us on Crescent Street at, like, Winnie's or something? Just, like, literally with microphones at a bar. Just I like, actually can, but it might be our last episode if we do it. Like we, might just, <laughs> we might just, like, burn the whole thing down in that moment. But it would be awesome. I mean, I'm excited sincerely like we haven't talked about obviously we we have the whole Coburg thing brewing but Mm -hmm. i want to get back out to live shows i want to be with an audience i want to be with the people so yeah like i can definitely imagine that environment i just don't think we're quite there yet but we could we could just do it we just set up in a corner get a little cam action or or order a few drinks and uh, let it rock all right, we'll find a way to make that rock. Uh, we'll keep in the city of Montreal, though, for the first news and note we got to get to. And that's, of course, with uh, owner Jeff Molson of the Montreal Canadiens speaking uh, after Mark Bergevin was relieved of his duties. That also goes for Trevor Timmons, the former AGM and also a man who's in charge of uh, amateur scouting for the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, vice president of communications for the Canadiens, Paul Wilson. Uh, also being let go. Uh, I know you're on the call. I was on the call as well. Just to start off, what were your general takeaways of Jeff Molson's press conference on Monday? I was impressed, actually. You know, I, I mm. really thought it's a difficult needle to thread given the way they're splitting these jobs, given some of the fallout that I'm sure we'll dig into here. But I, I thought Jeff Molson, who hasn't been seen for quite a long time in front of the Montreal media, did it did a good job under difficult circumstances. Let's face it. This should be the easy part in a weird way. Like when your team is in the ditch or worse and you're starting towards a rebuild or tearing things down or, or you know, the, it's easy to sell the hope, I guess. But but even under that sort of assumption, I thought he did a great job of articulating why it has to be a francophone GM, why he was willing to hire Jeff Gordon in the position of executive vice president to work with that GM, how that dynamic might work. And and obviously that's the big unknown here. Like, I think if we're revisiting, we're revisiting today, five years from now, we're looking back, like, did it work? Could you really have two people that are sort of coexisting, sharing this role? You know, obviously Jeff Gordon has a ton of experience. I know he's a super well-respected guy, but two, any two reasonable people might have a different opinion on a hockey trade. Like, I think that's just normal. And part of what's going to happen here once a GM's hired in Montreal is, is how do we make a trade? Or, or we're talking to three teams with this on this one player and, and what's the best deal? And, and how, do, how do they then, Gordon and the as yet known GM, work through that process? How do they find where they're both happy and fulfilled? Anyway, tons of unknowns there. But given that climate, I really thought the, the president and owner of the team did a nice job. And, and look, he was under fire to a certain degree, I think partly because of what's gone on. I mean, they're 23 games removed from Stanley Cup final. And, mm-hmm. and this is a pretty big moment in team history. And, and there's a lot of media attention and all that stuff. But under that, in that context, I really thought he articulated why they've gone in this direction. And now he's got to execute because the, the idea is the easy part. The, the making it happen is the harder part. 
the small addendum I'll just add to your statement there, but Molson made it clear he wants a bilingual GM to be clear. They haven't specified Francophone, but we also kind of get that it's pretty, you know, don't be surprised if a Francophone GM ends up with the Montreal Canadiens. I was also I curious know if I was get- allowed to say that because like that view is out there privately, like in the conversations right. I have with people, but I'm right. an Anglophone, right? I mean, right. stating the obvious, but maybe for our listeners who don't understand the distinction, you know, I, I grew up in English Canada. I really don't speak any French. And I've always taken it, again, from the conversations of people that know what's going on, that when they say they want a French speaking jam, it's not just the language, it's it's the heritage, it's the understanding of the the place and, and all that that type of thing. So it's not like, had I learned French bilingually here in Ontario, that they'd be looking to hire me. But also, like, it, it speaks to a pretty, you know, interesting point, too. Like, if I was a talented hockey man and I worked my way up through the ranks and all that, and my I put my CV in for the general manager job, and I'm saying, hey, I'm born in Montreal. I went to French immersion schools. Would I necessarily be at the top of the pile? Am I the person that I'm looking for? Scott Mellon, so what's your understanding? Fine. So it's about like, so would they, you be? I could. We, this is this is very hypothetical, Julian. Sure, sure. But let's say you had the relevant experience with your exact background. Yes. Would you be under consideration? I would hope so. I would think so, especially like you, off of you what spoke Jeff English first saying. in your house, right? Like with your yes. family. Yes, but, you, but you I would learn French to a point where you could do a press conference in French. Yes, I absolutely I could. I, I've been on. I mean, just speaking for me personally, I've been on podcasts where I've spoken. I've tried to speak as exclusively as I can in French, not often, but like I think with enough practice, I could definitely do it. But like the question that I have is, is if. They, they like the reason why I'm making the whole point of this, right? Is that Jeff Bolson went out of his way to say bilingual, and in the statement that they put out over the weekend, they didn't specify francophone. However, it's just a natural assumption that the candidate that they want will be a francophone, and I, it's just something that I always think about with regards to hockey and in, in Quebec and all that. Like even with the summit that was put together. Uh, and this goes into a whole other story, but like the summit that was put together by the Quebec premier for trying to figure out how they could get more talented people in, in, in hockey out of Quebec. They got a whole bunch of like French speaking people on that summit. Are they looking for people like me? And I don't just mean with skin color, but that's a whole other thing in itself. But people like me who are like Anglo Quebecers who are still Quebecers, but French is not necessarily the first language we could speak it, but we're not pure laine Québécois, if you get what I'm saying. Well, that's, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I wouldn't have brought this up, but you, you got some authority here because you lived it. You understand mm-hmm. the dynamic. You know, my understanding, the sort of unofficial wink, wink, is that they're looking for a francophone, not just someone who speaks French. Mm-hmm. And it's Even if you speak to- French, parfait. Even if you have the exact way to do it, <laughs> but you just don't have the background. And that, anyway, look, this is a, it's a really big issue. Like, it, it's funny because... You know, I live in Canada, so I think I at least understand some of the what's going on here. But, you know, we have a league where there's 25 teams now, not in Canada, like and and not to insult the people in those cities. But they're just I think they're completely unaware of why this is important, why it's significant. I mean, even today, it's Montreal based reporters, your colleagues there, Julian, asking some of those questions to Jeff Molson. Like, why does this matter? Essentially, I mean, I don't I don't think it's because they necessarily don't understand themselves, but they want to hear him say it because he's the person at the top of the organization making these calls. But it's, 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 there's one market in the whole league that has that dynamic. Uh, and hopefully we got a team in Quebec city again, and, and maybe we'll have two then, but even still, it will always only just be a very small number of teams that could ever have this dynamic. I think it's significant. I don't really actually have a problem with it, but it's, it, it creates, but it does create some complications, especially when we're talking about who might get the job because, you know, whoever gets a job, whoever's a GM job wouldn't get a GM job probably in 31 other markets, more or less. That might be That's unfair. We'll, we'll see. But I'm just saying, you know, and it's not to say the person isn't capable, but because of that specific requirement, you're drawing from a less experienced pool of people than, say, Chicago will be when they're replacing their interim GM here in a certain point. For sure. That's why you're, you're seeing names like Matsir Darsh, who, yes, he's working alongside Julian Brisbois, but he's never had a GM job. That's why you're hearing names like Daniel Briere, who works for an ECHL franchise, but has never been a GM for an NHL franchise. 
Martin Madden is a name that's also being mentioned as well, who has worked his way up to the point that he's with, with the Anaheim Ducks. Maybe he could easily be the Ducks GM after all this. Uh, but he, as far as I'm concerned, has never been a GM anywhere else, right? Like, well, his that, name's that, that, never been mentioned publicly connected to another. Like when Minnesota was hiring Bill Guerin, you know, Martin Madden's name wasn't in the mix. It's not, I'm not to say that, that somewhere else hasn't considered him, but it's never been a big public topic of conversation. But of course, the the key component we're, we're hitting on here. You know, what's interesting about Briere mm-hmm. is, you know, that team that he helped start in the ECHL, the Maine Mariners, had an affiliation with the New York Rangers. It might have been a split affiliation. Uh, I don't have the full memory on that, but I do remember there was a lot of praise at the time for the way he and a few others in that specific circumstance were starting that team. And so, you know, look at, I don't think anyone, you look at someone like Daniel Brer, like smart, experienced, he cares, he's gotten into management. Like, like that's, the, that is, he's ticking the boxes to get to a point to be a jam. It's just that he wouldn't, be probably considered in the other markets yet because he just doesn't have enough experience. But you know, this is this is the thing that goes on. You know, Mark Bergman wasn't that experienced, and we can nope. debate aspects of the job for sure. It was not a perfect ten years. I don't think anyone has a perfect ten years or nine and three quarters years or whatever it is. But he also did a lot of good things too. And and you know, they took a chance on him at the time they hired him. Yep, they did. And Jeff Molson even said, what I thought was really interesting that Jeff Molson said if he could go back, he would hire someone to work alongside him, which essentially with the way that this dynamic could work now with whoever the new GM would be, it would kind of be like him being like, hey, I'm not going to repeat that same mistake twice. Yeah. And, and look at every 10 years of your life, you should want to make better decisions. I mean, I'm simplifying things here, but like, I don't think we have to relitigate necessarily the decision to hire Mark Bergman. I, I actually think all in all, it paid off well for the Canadians. I know they didn't add a 25th banner at the Bell Center, which was the goal, but they did get to the 2014 Eastern Conference final. And that team, in my opinion, if the right things bounced their way, could have won the cup. Like if you're down to the final four, like that was not a fluky run. They, no. you know, they fell short and obviously Carey Price getting injured in game one of that Eastern Conference final when, when he got hit in by Chris Kreider. Like that, that affected the outcome of what happened. And that's that's the playoffs. That's what happens. Injuries in the sport sometimes dictate who wins and who loses. But they were in the mix. And every year after wasn't perfect. And every move, like we could go through the things that happened. But, you know, over 10 years, Mark Bergeron, for sure, his, dra- his, sorry, his trades, like he was in a above average GM for trading. Like I, my understanding of him is he's got great relationships with his colleagues, which is worth something as much as we want to make fun of that. Like those are the people you make the trade with. Like he's mm-hmm. got to pick up the phone and phone the GM in St. Louis or Columbus or whatever, and have that person be willing to deal with him and, and how you deal with those people matters. And, and they have so many conversations that don't produce anything like it's anyway, he's good at that. He was very good at that. And he did, he got tons of value out of the trades for the Habs. And so I would actually say he did well by the organization. I, I believe it got to the point. There just was no more solutions. They'd gone so far down a certain path. There's an, a new set of eyes or multiple sets of eyes now, because of course it's going to be two headed uh, situation at the top of the hockey ops. You know, that makes sense. Like, I, I don't think I'm not questioning how we got here today, but I think Mark Bergman did a great job for that organization. All things considered. And I think he was a good hire if we look back. And so now it's 10 years further. Jeff Molson's older. He's seen how it worked. He saw some of the challenges. He understands the market a little better. He's trying to make a better decision. Now, we'll, we'll see. I, I believe this, Julian. No yeah. matter where you work, you want a clear idea of what you're supposed to do and what your boss is doing and what the person maybe beside you or under you is doing. Like, like I do think the clearer you can demarcate those lines, you give people the freedom to do what they do. Like, I think when people get in trouble at work, and this is all kinds of work, I'm not talking about being a journalist or being a hockey player, whatever. When you're a little unsure of where you fit in the picture, it's hard to be your best. And so it will be really important once there's a GM, even if they never articulate it publicly, I think they'll probably have to. But whoever that GM is has to understand how it works with Jeff Gordon, how it works with Jeff Molson, like who's supposed to be doing what, but then you let it flow. And so if they can create that right dynamic, it's not crazy at all to have multiple people making big decisions. I mean, that's this is where the world's going. Like hockey yeah. is so far behind everything. 
<laughs> it really is. Like, I hate to it say is. it, I but love it's so far going. behind everything. But, you know, I read this book on the Houston Astros and I, and I don't like that they banged trash cans and they won the World Series and all that shit. And I don't like that they beat my Blue Jays enough because I'm a Blue Jays fan. But like they were hiring like NASA scientists like seven years ago to like solve complex organizational logistical problems. Like hockey should be getting to that point, honestly. It's not like one person has an answer. You're, you're trying to build the best team. You're trying to find all the information. You're trying to draw from the right things. I think, I think the instincts here are right from Jeff Molson in the sense that you, you need – more integration at the top level of the organization. It can't be one person, blah, 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 blah. But again, the idea is the easy part. We'll see how the execution goes. Okay. Uh, a lot to unpack out of that. Sorry, that was like, a long I, rant. That was no, a long rant. That's fine. That's fine. But I love this because it's so interesting to hear your perspective on Mark Bergevin because uh, I think that in isolation, and I think a lot of my viewpoints kind of go in line to an article. I was actually funny enough editing from Mark Antoine Godin from The Athletic. Uh, where in isolation, if you look at some of the stuff that Mark Bergevin did, like some of the trades that he did, they, they worked out. Like getting Philip Deneau, for example. Uh, the Shea Weber-PK Subban trade, it was very controversial at the time. You can make the argument that that trade worked out for the Canadians because ultimately Shea Weber was on a team that helped them to the Stanley Cup final. But yeah, and, and honestly, whole, PK, and I, I was yeah, a big ahead. fan of PK. And yeah. not, to, not, to, not to use past tense, but what I mean is like I very much appreciate what he did, but his career... It, it didn't keep progressing, right? Like he's gotten worse. I know he's been injured, but like it's what happens. But I think Weber for Subban makes a lot of sense with hindsight nowadays. But that's at the time yeah, that was a hard decision. That was crazy. That that whole you could do a whole documentary on that whole set of like thirty minutes of all the deals that happened. But all that to say that like as a whole, Mark Bergman for whatever reason just couldn't put together a team that was seriously talented that had like top line talent and or wasn't dependent on carry price. And remember the pandemic kind of helped out with some of those teams too. Yes. They, they are like, yes, people, a lot of people like to say the old of the final run that they had was a fluke. They worked their asses off to get to that point, but fine. There is some measure of, or point to make about whether or not the pan, if the pandemic didn't happen, one, we'd all be a lot happier Two, where were the Canadians be? in all of this, right? And I, I think it's worth having those discussions. So I think with Mark Bergevin's well, tenure, it's like, I, I feel very like split on everything because yes, there was the playoff success, but the team, as it is right now, like it's not a case where it's like, man, the team really, you know, took off to a certain point and this next GM really has to take it to the next level. Like they, they're kind of like behind the eight, but it's kind of in a similar position as to where they were in 2012 when Mark Bergevin took over, where they needed more quality prospects to, to take over their system. And they do have some, but like, I mean, beyond Suzuki and Caulfield, I think they might need more guys. Well, of course they need more, but where I'm inclined to give him credit if we're stepping back in this moment, right, where he's just been replaced. And I didn't even is- mention the whole Logan Mayu stuff, by the way, which I think okay. he deserves immense criticism for. For sure. And if you want to go there right now, I'm going to stop saying what I was going to say. Okay. Well, no, because I'm not trying to compartmentalize either. Right. Like we're trying to look at the whole picture here, but like he was a counterculture GM in this time because what the other GMs did is they all sold a massive rebuild and they hope to hit home runs at the, the draft lottery and all that. And a few did and a few didn't and blah, 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 blah. We can relitigate the Sabres and the Oilers and the Leafs and teams that really tore it down. Like the Canadians never tore it down. I know they got to the point they picked third overall with Jesper Kotkaniemi. That didn't go great. No. I don't like the decision. I actually think some of that decision-making to me, everyone can talk about Price and, and Weber. I think the idea that you lose Kotkaniemi to the offer sheet you trade the first round pick for Christian Dvorak and don't re-sign Philip Deneau. Like, I think some of that sort of, I maybe didn't present it in, in the exact order, but that specific decision-making, I think is why they are where they are today. Cause like, to me, Dvorak is not better than Deneau. I know he's younger, but you also give the first round pick you got for losing Kakinemi for nothing. Essentially you, you lost him for that first round pick. Like it's, yeah. it's like a, it's a net loss of talent. And I do think, yes, Deneau got a, a rich contract from the Kings, but man, like he, 
he like that's that that was a player I still think if he was in Montreal, you'd be getting better results with. And so anyway, not to go back, but like I'll give Bergeron credit for not just in his time being like, okay, we're just stripping it down to the wood. You know, one thing that stood out to me, there was a long press conference today yeah. um, with Jeff Molson. But when he was asked about the rebuild, he said, I'm not scared of that word. Like I, that, that is like one of the lasting quotes just in my mind. And, and there's again, a lot was said, but I was like, man, like, are they actually really now going to strip it down to the wood? And, you know, obviously keep your, your Caulfields and, and your Suzuki's, but trade off everything else that's useful and get picks and wait to be competitive. I mean, that's a wait and see, but he, I feel like he left the window open there way more than I thought he needed to or would in that circumstance. But also the guy he just hired over the weekend to be his executive vice president of hockey operations helped engineer a whole letter for a whole other organization telling fans, Hey, we're going to rebuild. And so many people in the hockey world were like, whoa, wait a minute. They're going to rebuild. And they let everyone know that. How did, how's that going to go? And I thought about it today. Like if Jeff Gordon was able to get, was able to do that in a market like New York, I would love to know how that would play out in Montreal. I personally, I think it would work. I think, I think fans would, would want that. Cause, cause the fans are smart. Yeah. Like it's not a bad strategy. The, the, the trouble, of course, is just the league has diluted how this draft lottery works. Like the Canadians this season, and it's not likely because Arizona's in the league, but the Canadians could finish 32nd and still pick not high enough to make a real big difference in the big picture. And 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 over time, the league has tried basically to, to discourage tanking. They've, they've changed those lottery odds again and again and again. And so that that is the danger, of course, is that you could – just have this shitty, shitty year and still pick like fifth. And like sometimes fifth, sometimes fifth is, is Elias Pedersen. I know it's a bad example because he's not having a great year and it looks, but like sometimes fifth is a game changer. And sometimes fifth is Michael Del Cole, who hasn't, you know, got his career ever under his feet really in, in New York with the Islanders. And so, you know, not to pick on individuals, I'm just saying that fifth is not a guarantee even believe it or not. Uh, that's, nope. that's how crazy it is. Even first isn't really a guarantee. Although most first overall picks have been at minimum above average players like Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't Austin Matthews, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been a damn good NHL. Or like if you add him to your team, you haven't done a bad job. Um, nope. but yeah, God, this is, this is where you go nuts. Cause this is a game of like luck and chance. It's rubber on ice to begin with, which is already crazy. And then you're adding in these other, like, there's no way, there's no perfect decision. I think if you're a new executive, though, like Jeff Gordon, if you can sell the owner that hires you or the, the president hires you on the idea that we're going to strip it down, take some time and do it right. If you can sell that, that's probably the safest road in what is admittedly not a safe road. Okay, last question on the Montreal Canadiens. I know we have a whole bunch of other stuff we got to get to. I love how this discussion has been going so far. And I think we have more night podcasts in our future because this has been awesome so far the way we're doing this. So what about Mark Bergevin? What's what's next for this dude? Like, what is he going to do next? Like, he, he, he doesn't have to work with the Canadians anymore. He was already in the last year of his contract anyway. I wonder what's next for him. Is he going to go to LA? That's what uh, Larry Brooks from the New York Post was saying. Don't be surprised if there's any connections between him and the Los Angeles Kings. A lot of people have been saying, oh, maybe he goes to Chicago. I wonder what Mark Bergevin does next. I don't know the city, but I'm willing to place a not small bet that October 2022, he's a GM in an NHL city. Like, okay. I don't I don't think he's going to have to take a step back. I mean, who knows? In the short term here, maybe he scouts somewhere or something. But like, by the start of next season, I think his stock league-wide is strong enough, his track record, that he'll be hired somewhere else. Like Other teams wanted to hire him while he was still in Montreal. Like Pittsburgh had legitimate interest in him if there was a scenario where he was willing to leave and the team let him leave, and that obviously didn't play out. But like, you know, I think he'll be totally different in a different market. He strikes me as someone, he's an emotional man, right? Yes. And anyone who's emotional, like that's, it's actually, it's, it's a credit and, but it can be a detriment. Like it's both at the same time. And, you know, I think that it really wore on him to be the GM in Montreal, but he'll never, even if he came to Toronto and I'm not saying he's replacing Kyle Dubas, like even if he came to another huge market, I don't think it'd be the same because the language issue He's not a local 
person. You know, he grew up in Montreal, as he said in his his letter. He learned to skate in Montreal. You know, like he's he felt those emotions every day. I think I think it will be very healthy for him to get to a spot where the scrutiny is a little less. It's not two languages. He's not in his own mind about everything else going on. He's going to be smarter for the experience. Like he, I mean, as we're talking now, he probably hasn't decompressed yet, but he's going to have learned something from all this. And so I would be stunned. I'll go on the record of this, that he's not a GM by next season. I, I think that there's enough turnover in the league already. And I'm not saying he's getting the Chicago or Anaheim job where we have two interns, but I do think that we're going to see a, a huge next eight months of front office maneuverings. And I think Mark Bergman will end up with a GM's job. I just want to say, when you started listing off the fact that, yeah, being in the Montreal GM job, starting to wear on him a little bit and all that, all that, all this stuff, I just want to say, and I'm not even saying it directly to you, but I'm saying it to everyone else who has seen me, seen me talk about Mark Bergman over the last how many months? I told you so. I told you so. Come on. You can't tell me after the last how many months since January that that man wasn't worn down by that damn job. You can't tell me different. I told you. I told you. I told you. Okay. But here's the thing, the Julian. Okay, go We're ahead. all worn down, too. I mean, yes, but come no, on. But like, I think it's not. it's a not insignificant point. And look, at, we're living history in the moment. And so yes. it's hard to put our finger on everything. But everybody's worn down. Like life is hard right now still. Like it's the truth. Even if you got a good life, I got a good life. I think you have a good life. I'm grateful for everything I have, but it's still, it's a hard time to live right now. And so I think a lot of people are fed up with a lot of things. And so it's it's not just that Montreal did Mark Bergerman bad or anything like that. I think, I think we're seeing this degree of turmoil and change and tumult because like the universe is just frigging going nuts, man. Like, I know that anyway, no way to prove that, but that's, that's CJ's 10 cent thought. I agree, man, but I still think there's a significant difference between trying to be a GM and working through all the crap that the world is giving to you in Los Angeles or sunrise or Anaheim compared to Montreal, where you are literally the only thing going. All those other markets I mentioned, they have other, like a myriad of other sporting events that, you know what, if fans are just like, man, the Panthers just ain't cutting it for me. Might as well just start watching the University of Miami. Oh, man, that football program really having hard times. Did, the Montreal Canadiens dropped the piece of news of Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons and, and Paul Wilson losing their jobs in the middle of a Montreal Alouettes playoff game. They did not care. <laughs> like the Canadians are the biggest thing going in that city. And it is tough when you have to deal with that and you can't have other things kind of offset that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I mean, I understand. The, well, let's the world just say is not great this, right now. Too, and but I like say respect, for sure. Go ahead. Paul, Paul Wilson being part of that press release. I've never seen that in my whole career. Me I've neither. never seen a PR person named in that kind of firing thing. And, and I don't say that. I, I get we're talking about a human being who lost his job. But like, even that that would be possible, I think it just shows how much the public relations matter, how much the market goes on. Obviously, how much the relationship you have with Mark Bergman, but it, Montreal is one out of 32. Yep. And I don't mean one market of 32 markets. I mean, like, it's totally unique among the 32 markets. And I think everything that happened over the weekend just illustrates that. It was, it was chaos. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, for our Toronto-centric listeners and viewers, yes. Well, they've already tuned out, bud. We just spent an hour on the Habs, so like I was about to say, uh, sorry, but my also, dad's still here. On. He's a Hab. He's a Leafs fan, so no. I, I think I think there's enough dedicated fans who are are going to be tuning in for the Leaf stuff because they're doing pretty well right now. They've were their winners of 14 of their last 16. And they're playing some of their best hockey right now. They just swept through all the California teams. My good buddy Omar, who I uh, we chat regularly on uh, Zone Time on Yahoo Sports, he seems you know to be TikTok all in on this Omar? team. 
Oh, dude, Tic Tac Tomar, him and I, we do a whole show together every Tuesday. He's, well, I knew he's the that w- part, but yeah, yeah, that's 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 the homie. Like, we're not just like he posted oh, just a picture of me on his it. account. It, like, it made my dad. Oh yeah, it, so oh yeah, <laughs> Tic Tac Tomar is that dude. But people like him are like. They're all in on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're all in on this year. It's like, all right, this is it. They found a way to play their best hockey. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of things you can nitpick about it. What have you made of all of the goodwill and all the good news around the Toronto Maple Leafs right now? All right, it, you called them a contender last week. Yeah, they look like a contender, bud. Like that's that has not changed. Whether they lost three in California or won three, that wouldn't change. It's it's a fascinating study though in sports fandom. Like mm-hmm. I live in the city, man. Like I'm sitting, yes. I'm sitting right in the middle of this stuff. And you know, I, I'm just a guy who covers the NHL, but I get recognized a ton. Like people want to talk to me on the street or in a coffee shop about the Leafs. There's, there's, I wouldn't say there's no excitement. Of course there's excitement, but it like, it's for a team that's won 14 to 16 games. It could not be more muted. Like there used to be that, there used to be this joke, right? That like the Leafs are playing the parade. I can tell you, there's no one like I think the Leafs themselves are excited. I think that they see the potential they have. They see the progress they have. I'm not talking about the team, the organization, Kyle Dubas, you know, Sheldon Keefe, the players, but I think everything, the machinery around them is like sleeping on how good this team is. And I understand why it, it's sort of it, you get into the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Like it, even if you're a media member, you're like, this team's really good. Like the, everyone just goes like, well, see in May, like, you know, like there's, there's an easy comeback and there's not really a, a back and forth there. This team's really good. Like, it, I don't care what metrics you believe in. Like if you just believe in straight points, they're at the top of the league. If you believe in shot metrics, they're at the top of the league in Corsi expect the goals. I think they're top three, uh, you know, slot shots, bing, bing, bing down the line. Jack Campbell's, I believe the best goaltender in terms of just pure save percentage and elite, like, they're not a perfect team. They're the same team that's lost five straight playoff series in the last five years. So that's not, it's not an insignificant point to raise, but if we're just going on, you know, this is supposed to be the quarter point. We're all supposed to get excited. It's the U S Thanksgiving's past. We know everything. Yeah. Um, they're easily a top five team in the league. Like I think like without question, it, it, there's no luck involved. In fact, I would say if you look at their top players, I'm willing to take a bet today that Austin Matthews will have a higher goals per game rate at the end of the season than he has today. I believe he's right at 0.5. I think he has 10 goals in 20 games as we're talking right now. Okay. I, I would I would take the over on that for his 78 games or whatever he's going to end up playing. So like you I think he does it? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's actually, it's not even controversial. If you look at his five years in the league, he's been above that. So what I'm saying is I don't think he's like, he's not been terrible, nothing like that, but I just think, Everything points to him scoring more than half a goal a game because that's all he's ever done in the NHL. And I don't think he's in decline as a as an offensive player. You know, even Marner. Anyway, it's hard. It's hard not to look at this team and think they're kicking ass and they're actually not firing yet. Um, so I'm much more bullish on them than the public. It's not a homer thing at all. I, I just think objectively, if you look at the numbers, like it again. It, they can play with you wherever you want to play. Like if you want to be like, yeah, yeah, but their shot metrics is like, no, wait, they're at the top of that. They're at the top of the points. Their, their top players actually aren't producing that much. I mean, where's other than like injury or something that could affect any team. You know, that's the question, right? Like Tampa is still performing great. Mm-hmm. Braden points now injured. Of course, Nikita Kucherov has been up for some time. They miss other players. They lost the third line from all the, their two cup wins. They're still performing great. Like that's that that's the mark of a champion, right? Like they're they are finding a way, and they've been really good for a team that hasn't had a lot go right. The Leafs haven't had a lot go wrong yet, and so that that would be the question because you take an eighty-two game season, something's going to go wrong. You're, you're going to lose players. Just things are going to happen. We live in a COVID year, right? We've seen teams have seven, eight, ten players on the COVID list. You know, something like that could happen to the Leafs. And I don't know how they'll respond to it, but. They stumbled out of the gate, and then all they've done since is look like they're going to win every single game. So it's hard to really critique them or question them. Is it okay if you're a Leafs fan, scarred by all the pain from pretty much since 2013, and you just take a moment, you look at their success, and you're just like, damn, I'm happy that they're winning, and I'm just going to enjoy this? Is it okay to do that? 
it's okay. I, I know enough Leaf fans to know that like almost none of them are doing that. Like Steve Dangle right now is probably in a fetal position at his house. They've, they've won 14 of 16 and he's probably still like curled up imagining all the things are going to go wrong, which e-bug is going to ruin it or which former Leaf is going to score three tomorrow night or whatever. Like I, I get it. They've been burnt a few times. And so it's hard to believe. It's fair, yeah. But I, I would also say just as a life philosophy, like I know tonight's podcast, we're going all over the place. If you can't enjoy what you're doing day to day, like what do you, you know, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year. I'm not saying this team's going to win the cup or anything, but if you're just looking at it day by day in late November slash early December, they are definitely good enough to win the cup compared to what we know right now. So I don't know what e-bug's going to screw it up. I don't know who's going to get injured. I don't know what the trades are going to look like at March 21st. Like it's too soon for all that. But if you're just here and if you are truly living in the moment, which I would advise everyone to do, not just really mm-hmm. a sports fandom, but just with your life, because we don't know what's around the corner. I think you should be excited. I think you should let yourself be excited. I, I'm going to go that far because, you know, we've talked about the pandemic tonight and it's still kind of hovering over a lot of stuff. And I get it. If, but if you love a certain team and I'll speak directly to Leaf fans on this case, like they're giving you what you want. They're not necessarily guaranteeing you the ultimate joy you want, but if you're just willing to like watch the games, like they're legitimately outplaying everyone they're playing and winning. So I'm not, I I would be confused other than, you know, they can't guarantee you they're going to do that in May. But if you're watching the day by day results, certainly looks to me like a group that's ready to take a step. Uh, We, I know we're well past the bell. Oh my God. Sorry, not sorry, Adam. We rang the bell. Like Jesse's like, I got to eat dinner. I've been working yeah, for 12 dude. straight hours. We'll, we'll go through Brendan Lemieux very quickly. And then we'll get to some of the questions for ask CJ. Do you have any thoughts on, on the biting beef that has struck the national hockey league world? And uh, has Brady Kachuk will, you know, saying what he had to say. I don't know if you saw the Gilbert Gottfried to oh, read I, dramatic reading. Like I couldn't not see that. Like I, I didn't even search that out. I get see Gilbert Gottfried in my like feed, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And then I, I watched it. It was amazing. You know, there's not there's not like a hot take here. Like it was brutal no. bite. I, I expect that it to be a ten game suspension or more. Uh, it's not been handed down as we're recording this, but like that's. I mean, sometimes you go so far, like even player safety can't find a reason not to really hit you hard. And so I think it's an easy decision for the league in the sense you got to send a strong message. I don't mind that Brady Kachuk said what he said. He said he's going to say either. it once and then he freaking said it, right? Like oh, he's yes. like, I'm only going to do this once, but I'm going to give you <laughs> seven straight minutes of wrestling cut promo here. I'm going to give Gilbert Gottfried the best lines he's ever had in his whole damn career. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, like, I don't mean to make That's light good. of the situation. It shouldn't have happened. But I don't actually, in in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's the end of the world. Hopefully, you got a tetanus shot. Everything's fine. Lemieux is going to sit out for a while. The teams are going to play again. We're going to talk about it. Love it. Let's move All on. All right. Cool. Uh, let's get over to the questions. Uh, there's one that I know for sure uh, that we have to get through on Ask CJ. I'm trying to pull up the specific tweet because, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't have it on my iPad. And uh, once I find Probably because it, I I'll... sent you a thousand random thoughts. I mean, being Julian nah. on the show is a thankless job. It's just like, it's just to note CJ will see something at any time of the day and just send them like, Hey, let's talk about this in three days. And you're expected I'll, to organize I'll, that. I'll tell you this. Uh, I've had much worse jobs in my life. So trying to organize the thoughts of one Chris Johnston uh, in terms of worse jobs, it's not even on the list. I struggled with one... myself though. So I need your help. Okay, so uh, this one from uh, Lacey Gracie, uh, who is a Syracuse alum or is very much enamored with Syracuse. Uh, She tweeted at me today. uh, She tweeted yesterday, things I learned watching the Leafs game tonight. Chris Johnston was an offensive juggernaut in his youth hockey days. And then she tweeted at me today. You better bring this up today. Uh, apparently during the TSN broadcast for the Leafs game against the Ducks, you uh, basically let everybody let everybody know you're the young Bill Mosienko. Is that true? <laughs> what happened? It is true. Crazy story in a sense, because we're recording on November 29th. Yes, we so are. The, 
it's the 28 year anniversary. My God, I'm old. Of uh, a night where I scored three th- three goals in 21 seconds. Oh my God, you did that like tw- 28 year anniversary. So like 90. Th- so like I wasn't even alive yet. No, but I was 11. I think. <laughs> you old as shit. I am old as shit. <laughs> That's the I'm one so old. You anyone, anyone who watched the broadcast on TSN on Sunday night saw the actual newspaper article from my hometown paper at the time, the Cobra Daily Star. And in the second paragraph, it notes Chris Johnson of 459 Westwood Drive scoring you know, these three goals. Like, like it's so old that they it was safe to put my address in a newspaper. And I was like a little kid who did something like it. You know, that was a way, of course, the local paper was just trying to like relate it to anyone who might know me or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was obviously for me like something really Anything that happened in 1993 and you get to my age, I don't remember too much. I remember the Blue Jays won the World Series and I remember the night where I was with my friends when that happened. And I remember Touch them all, night, Joe. Right. But I remember being with my friends and having like a pile up like we were little kids. I posted a few photos actually from that night a few times. Um, and then but I do remember the night I scored three goals in 21 seconds because it was literally like lightning striking or something, but in a safe way. And uh, a guy named Ross Quigley from the Coburg Sports Hall of Fame. He actually today lives two doors down from my dad, still in Coburg. Good family friend. Great man. Mm-hmm. You know, I had nothing to do with this, but he he sent this article that's in the Coburg Sports Hall of Fame because I'd set this record or whatever locally to TSN and then they wanted to do a, a little thing on it. So we, we talked about that night. You know, I, it's like anything. What's more important? It was cool that that happened at the time. What's more important is, I mean... <laughs> You just want to hang around long enough for your life for cool shit to happen. That that happened a long time ago, um, but it was really cool at the time. It got me some notoriety locally, like the, the the local radio station did like a whole thing on it. Like I mean a thing. <laughs> I mean three goals in twenty one seconds. Even playing That's pretty hockey. sick. Yeah, but it's like at that point, it's not even that you're good. It's just that you're lucky or just something strange is in the world. Uh, it's funny, a guy by the name of Leighton Dodge wrote the article in the Cobra Star, and there's a line in it, and I just read it because we we did this segment on TSN yesterday. And he said, you know, one day he'll be telling his grandkids about November 29th, uh, 1993. And, you know, I don't have my own kids, so I'm probably not going to be telling grandkids about that. Oh. <laughs> but but I, I do appreciate the thought that it just was one of those weird things. And I do remember it, and I, I can't tell you I remember everything else that happened when I was 11 or 12. I was just, I'm just picturing young CJ going to school the next day. And then like whatever girl he had a crush on, just like, he just showed the newspaper print. Be like, Hey, guess what I did? <laughs> I'll tell you, whatever girl that young as CJ had a crush on probably didn't hear from me for the next four to five years. So <laughs> <laughs> like, All if right, you could, if get... you could put no game, <laughs> that, that would be about me from, I mean, really to this day, of course, but I just, but especially when I was young. Hey, look, hey, look, it worked out for you now, my brother. <laughs> no, everything's good. No, everything does work out. That's actually, that's what the pull from this is. <laughs> Just keep on keeping on. Maybe you'll score three goals in 21 seconds out of nowhere. Like maybe you'll have this crazy thing. You just keep going, man. You just keep trucking on. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see what other questions we could get to before uh, we go over the hour mark. Um, from Dylan. Or Jesse falls about- asleep. Yeah, no, I, I I hope Jesse Blake doesn't go take a sleep because that means this podcast will just record forever. Uh, from Dylan Murphy, how many pairs of shoes have you gone through since starting the run streak? And when do you know when it's time to replace them? Great questions. Uh, I'm at I'm almost at 6,000 kilometers on my run streak. And I think you, they last about 500K each. So okay. that would be 12 pairs. I probably a bit more than that, if I'm being honest. You know, for me, if you're going to run every day, it's a pretty cheap activity. Like you need warm enough clothes. Now it's getting cold or whatever. But you, if you're going to spend money, like for me, it's getting new shoes. Because if I'm going to have like a knee issue or a hip issue or something from the repetitive striking of running, you know, you want some cushioning in your shoes. I got great advice. Anyone out there who's run streaking, I got great advice from someone early in my streak that is actually on Twitter. Just someone I didn't know was offer this up. I, I have at least two pairs of shoes at any given moment. So I don't wear the same pair two days in a row. 
because that does allow the cushioning to be in its best form. So my best guess, Dylan, is I've probably gone through 15 pairs of shoes. Um, you know, I've run every day for almost 600 days. So it's not really that crazy. If you're going to do anything in, in a row for 600 days, you're going to have to replace it. And yeah. um, I alternate. Right now, I've got two pairs on the go. I probably need a new pair again soon. So that's a good reminder. I'm going to splash 200 bucks down or whatever at Black Toe Running in Toronto. And I'm happy to do so because, you know, it keeps me healthy and keeps me out on the trail. That's good. You're also an early Christmas gift for yourself, depending on when you get it. Oh, it's coming uh, before Christmas, but I got what, like 30 more days to run before Christmas. I mean, I wait till that's Christmas. why I said early Christmas, early Christmas gift. Uh, next question here from MW Bauer. Hi, yeah. CJ. Hope you and the family are keeping well. Two questions for Ask CJ. MW Bauer, One, two. We'll give you two. Uh, does macaroni and cheese belong as a Christmas dish? Two, what is your favorite pizza dipping sauce and why? Macaroni and cheese, no. No. What? So here's the deal. Well, actually, let, let me let me rephrase that. Like, I, I eat macaroni pie. So, like, you know what? Mac and cheese just straight up as if you're just serving KD. No. Macaroni pie, like, that's that's bomb. But I want to hear your reason. This is this speaks to the power of like random shit that happens to you, and you don't know why it still matters. When I was a kid, I had a babysitter who made me eat mac and cheese. And I was a picky eater when I was like five years old, which this is the era I'm talking about. And it, like, I actually once threw it up, pardon the idea of that. And I literally can't eat mac and cheese since. So the, the oh. last 30 plus years, I literally have not had mac and cheese. I like cheese wow. and I like noodles, but just something about them combined. Like it, it does like a, there's a weird response in me from my babysitter when I was a little kid. So I don't even know wow. what to say about that other than that. I guess environmental factors matter because there's no rational reason for that to matter to me. But so I would say it's not a Christmas dish. It's not any of 365 days a dish for me. Um, what was the second question again? I should remember. What is what is your favorite pizza dipping sauce and why? Well, I'm a loyal pizza pizzaist here in Ontario. Yes. Uh, they have two dipping sauces, creamy garlic and jalapeno cheddar that I both love. If I only had to choose one, I'm going creamy garlic. But when I'm trying to be not completely indulgent i'll go jalapeno cheddar because it's slightly and i mean slightly healthier just like okay but they're both um, great they're both great like if i if you if like my next birthday dinner was like a, a slab of pizza pizza and one of each of those dipping sauces i'd be a happy man <laughs> <laughs> you just pig out on all the pizza these guys sent me a gift card too hey that's the how much how much is on it can I say? I don't even know. Is that allowed? Are you allowed to say? I mean, what? what I didn't like, ask I for them know. to send it. 200 bucks. What? Pizza's yeah. on you. <laughs> Anytime, bud. I, honestly, I would gladly pay for pizza pizza. Like, it gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap in Ontario. <laughs> so many people love thought, to hate on it. Like, they don't even know how great this stuff is. I mean, like, I think it's I, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shit on pizza pizza because when I was a university student, like it held me down on some pretty tough nights, but like, I don't think it's that bad. I think there are worse places you can go. I'm struggling to find the better place to go. Honestly, <laughs> I love pizza. pizza. <laughs> I love and I'm not sponsored by them. Nothing. Like I'm not even, no. I wasn't even bought by this $200 gift card. I just love that place. I have a group of friends. We have a group chat where yeah. we still talk about pizza pizza. We're old ass men. James Watt, like he's still, he's like out in Alberta. He's like dying for a slice of pizza pizza. Like I'm going to go visit him later this month. And he's like, can you bring me pizza pizza? And I'm like, I don't think I can bring it in a way you'd want to eat it. Oh, no. Uh, also, uh, pizza pizza. If you're interested in sponsoring the Chris Johnson show, I am not opposed to that. Uh, I'll Call Adam Miles though, because I don't know how that all works. Yeah, that's true. Don't don't go through us. Go through uh, the big boss man, Adam. Or just Watt. keep sending uh, us gift cards because I'm going to keep ordering boys. I'm good with that. Uh, yeah. I want to ask, uh, well, two people asked about this, uh, one on Twitter and another person through Discord. They asked it in different ways. Sure. Uh, I'll read the Twitter question and then I'll read the Discord question. From SDPN Memes, what do Jesse Blake and the Buffalo Sabres have to do to bounce back in 2025-26 after that crushing Stanley Cup final loss, uh, which you may have seen on uh, the SDPN Twitch channel where Jesse Blake took on the challenge of rebuilding the Buffalo Sabres. He was in the Stanley Cup final against Chicago. Also, CJ from Jonas on Discord. 
Do you have any insider news on what GM Jesse Blake is going to do this offseason after the Sabres collapse in games six and seven? Tough losses for our main man, Jesse. I know. I spent my Friday night with the crab people, like, had my Sabres crab jersey on. people, crab people. Had my, had my Sabres jersey on, had the champagne on ice, was ready to celebrate right here in the condo. That was going to be my night. And yeah. I didn't have any, I was even trying to like big them up in the group chat. I was trying to be positive. That sucked. You know, losing, <laughs> losing is worse. <laughs> like the, the, the pain of losing is worse than the joy of winning. But um, I think that watching those games closely, he was missing an impact score. Like, like that team needed a goal. Like they were not far off. And so I don't, I haven't had a chance to talk to members of the front office of the Buffalo Sabres for their 2025 <laughs> season, is it? Yes. Yes. But I, I would say that if, you know, I'm not sure what they're, where they're at, but I, I think that they need an impact score. Like they need, they might need, they might be one star or superstar short of raising that cup next year. And so this is their DeMar DeRozan moment, you know? That's what the Raptors had to do. Like they had a good team, but they were like a little shy of great. GM Jesse Blake has to go for greatness. He's got to make a big trade and bring Jason Spezza back behind the bench. Those are my two demands. But um, more, if there's one move only, I think he's got to find a scorer. And you know, I believe in him. He's he's rebuilt that team from the dust. And you know, the darkest moments precede the brightest ones. So. Yes. I believe in Jesse getting the job done next year, and I'll be with the crab people uh, watching him do it. Crab people, crab people. Big up to big money CJ. Big up to big money Jesse Blake as well. We got through another edition of the Chris Johnston show. Probably our wildest one yet. I enjoyed it. I know you I know. did too, CJ. It's like the nighttime oh, was, vibes, man. Playing under the lights is a different game, you know? It's a very different game. You might do some wild, like score three goals in 21 seconds. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, Grafton didn't know I'd hit it back in '93. You know, like I, they were they were they were up three one in the third period, and I scored three goals, and it was four three in 21 seconds. They didn't even know what happened. Oh man, uh, I'm still not allowed to, to drive into Grafton. Like they don't even want me in their city. Wow, oh, they got beef with you like that. All right, well, well, you know what? We don't rock with you, Grafton. If you don't rock with CJ, you don't rock with us. If you reverse, if you reverse a game like that, like they don't want to see you again. They don't want to be reminded. <laughs> of that degree of shame from a random night in pad two in Coburg in November, 1993. Shake their fist at you. I, mean, I bet people in Grafton, they look at you on TSN with envy and disgust. The only other thing <laughs> I did in Grafton is drinking fields in high school. So, you know, wow. I was like, that was the two things I did in Grafton is score a bunch of goals quickly and <laughs> try to hide from adults. Wow. Okay. That's Big a whole admission. other pod. That's a Not whole nothing other bad pod. happened. That's a whole That's other a, podcast in itself, my brother. Cooper, you ain't going to a bar when you're 18, man. You got to find a field. <laughs> That's it's just how it is. Damn, in the bar, man. they know your dad or they know your birth certificate. So, Oh, my God. Uh, for the Canadians fans who listen to our podcast, you are going to love uh, the next episode of Agent Provocateur with Adam Wilde and Alan Walsh. Uh, Max Pacioretty is Numerals, going to be a special guest. Max Pacioretty! Ça, c'est du bon français, ça. Ça, c'est du vraiment du bon français. C'est un bon... mon ami. J'apprécie ça. C'est un bon impersonation of uh, Michel Lacroix, who was the PA announcer at the Bell Center. Uh, yes, Max Pacioretty is the next guest on uh, Adrian Provocateur. I find it very convenient that they have Max Pacioretty on after Mark Bergevin is relieved of his duties from the Montreal Canadiens. So if you haven't subscribed to that podcast... Be sure to do that because I'm pretty sure that podcast episode is going to be very interesting, possibly quite revealing. Who knows? But uh, anything goes with Adrian Provocateur, just like it does on the Chris Johnston show. Subscribe to the YouTube page for the SDPN and all the other fun stuff. There's some podcasts called the Steve Dangle Podcast, which you, sh you should also kind of check out. I hear it's supposed to be Okay, I guess. Uh, and also wherever we are on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll be back on Thursday with a brand spanking new episode. And if things work out, we'll be back uh, together again in person next week doing a show together. And if it that, well, I mean, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I'm not even going to put out the negative in the universe. We're going to find what a way mean? to make it's that happening. happen, buddy. I've that's got what I'm saying. Like, I'm coming there. 
it's just it's covered. It's happening. We need to find we, we, a couple of microphones up. and a couple of video cameras to make this happen. But like we're we this is ha- we're going to be in the same city for sure. Now, can we make the podcast from that city? That's the next challenge. We're going to make it work. Don't you worry about that. We're going to make it work. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. Sorry, Adam. This episode is way too long. We do not care. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie.